Welcome to the Cross the Line Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith, and today's episode is sponsored by Charlene's Home Cooking on 1136 East Blackstock Road in Moore, South Carolina. Charlene's Home Cooking is a family restaurant that cooks like grandma. Fresh veggies, meats, cook to order, cakes, pies, cobbler, sweet tea, Kool-Aid, and lemonade. She wants you to feel at home anytime you stop by on Monday, Thursday, and Saturday from 11 to 6, Friday and Sunday from 11 to 7, and Tuesdays and Wednesdays she's a, she's closed because she goes she does all her shopping for fresh meats and fresh veggies. We also do when you order you can get two a meat and two sides, a meat and three sides, and a veggie plate. Everything is fresh and baked from the heart, and she would love to see you sometime. So thank you, Miss Charlene, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast once again. Now time to introduce my guest. Like I was saying earlier on the on my Instagram, if you follow me. This man is the basketball guru. I like to call him that. Uh, my good friend. We met uh, in Greenville at the radio station. He always embraced me and welcomed me and was willing to uh, give me some advice and, and different things like that. So today I'm sitting again with Mr. Ken Blankenship. How you doing? Doing well, Carlos. I'm Thanks glad. Oh, I'm glad to have you again. Like I told you before we started, you were actually the first interview that I had on here. Cool. Yeah, that was and that was almost a year and a half ago. So we still going going strong. So yeah, it was the first interview and it's actually I didn't have my cameras and everything then. So it's kind of been building on piece by piece adding on to the podcast. But we still rolling and I'm happy to have you. So let's go back just a little bit because I know everybody didn't see you the first time or whatnot. So kind of tell people who is Ken Blankenship. But we like to call you KB. Yeah, well, I um, I grew up in the lower part of the state until I was in the third grade. Came from a small town called Lake City, and I moved up here in the third grade and was and lived here until I was a senior in high school. And I went to military school up in Virginia. Came back, jumped around a little bit. I moved to Atlanta in 1987 for two years. Then I moved from there to Charlotte. Uh, from 89 to 91. I'm kind of dating myself here. In this, you know. uh, but anyway, and then in the 91 or so, right in there, I moved back up to the upstate and I've been up here ever since. Okay. Yeah. And uh, how, how did you actually get kind of get into the radio and, and the broadcasting? Uh, well, actually, I think there's a little bit of something to it that uh, it's in your blood. Uh, mm-hmm. My dad was in radio for a number of years in his formative years uh, from the time he was out of high school until he was well into his 40s, I believe, and then he changed careers after that, or maybe even 50s. But uh, I don't know. It didn't really hit my brother, but it hit me. But right. I, uh, in the early 90s, I just um, I had uh, actually called a basketball game on radio with a with a guy named Eric Thacker who has gotten me a lot of work over the years. Not recently, I, I get more of that work from most of my work now from Ryan Clary, but. Um, I'm a color analyst for Presbyterian College and their basketball team. Um, and I, they also cross-utilize me for some other things, but that's mainly what I do for them. But from that game broadcast um, and, and from that time, I was a volunteer assistant at Spartanburg Methodist College for a guy named Scott Rougeau. I was on his staff. And um, we were asked to uh, – he asked me to see if we could get a big – um, region game. It was to determine who was going to re- win Region 10. There's 16 regions across the country for junior college basketball. I think it's still like that, but even even so, back then it was. So we were playing Atlanta uh, Christian College, Atlanta Junior College, I think it was called at the time. And it was a big game for us and all that, and he just wanted to get the community involved. 
So I looked into, you know, getting it on radio and I went over to a local radio station that I'm actually still doing sports talk radio uh, some 28 years later uh, on right now. And, um, and we did, we carried the game. And from there, uh, from being in that program, I started to set up various summer camps, not because I was really interested in going into coaching, but I was more interested in the scouting and recruiting aspect of basketball. Right. I played one year in college myself and played a ton of pickup basketball, even even left home shortly after my senior year in high school, actually after my year in military school, to go up to Philadelphia, New York, Boston, places like that, just to play street basketball. I was fortunate enough that I had friends or family in those big urban markets, mm-hmm. so I could kind of couch surf, if you will, and play summer league, uh, not summer league, but summer basketball, pick up basketball in various places like that. And and uh, so, I, I don't know, over the years, I thought I would kind of get over the game of basketball. It's just going crazy, man. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's a sickness. But, uh, no, I, I really enjoy it. And, and uh, shameless plug here, I do a show called Up Late with KB on oh, boy, the local, local Fox in. affiliate, Fox Sports 1400 AM, 98.3 FM. comes on every night at, shortly after 11 p.m. And during the summer hours, we're only a one-hour show. Mm-hmm. But during the fall hours, we'll go back to a 11 to 1 a.m. type of uh, broadcast. But the reason I mention that show is because literally 90% or more of what I do is just talk basketball on the collegiate and the professional level, primarily, you know, D1 college basketball and the NBA. So that's kind of kind of who I am. I've I've hosted probably as many as 15, 16, 17 radio shows. Right. About eleven or twelve of them, and don't get don't get misled there, Carlos. I mean, the the longest any of them have lasted is this one, and I'm approaching year three here That's in about good. five or six more months. But um, anyway, so I, I really enjoy running my mouth. So, I don't know I so, so why? <laughs> anyway, but but doing your own show, what, what would you say of label KB? Because I, I admire what you do. Because for me, I think that would be kind of hard to kind of you know by yourself lead your own show like. What's, what's the hardest part, would you say, or is it hard for you at all, you know, doing your own show? Well, I, you know, I, I from when I started in the early 90s, I always had a healthy fear of trying to fill time. Uh, I mean, there's one thing to run your mouth, but to run your mouth and have people not change the channel is a different thing. And so it has to be, there has to be some level of interest. And I think there has to be some kind of entertainment factor. And so right. I always was very fearful. So the first 24 years of doing radio, I never did any by myself. As a matter of fact, this show started with the idea uh, of another guy being in there. I can run a board in a radio station, Mm -hmm. uh, at least the simple ones. But, you know, I was, you know, it's to me, it was always about conversational radio. And, um, you know, so that it mattered to me that somebody be in there even if it was somebody who didn't know sports or whatever just to throw something off of somebody even if they said uh-huh like a you know like a caveman or something right it maybe gives you a time to kind of rethink things but when you have that conversation on radio you know it it helps people especially guys you know like i was in the early 90s trying to break into radio it, it, it provides a comfort level mm-hmm. but uh the first two nights of this show, January, early January, matter of fact, January 3rd of 2017 was the very first show. The first guy who committed showed up 
the next night, the next guy who committed, they were going to do two or three nights of peace. Okay. You know, he showed up. And then night three, both of them earlier in the day, let me know they weren't going to be able to do it. Their workload had suddenly, ooh, had suddenly mm. grown and they weren't going to, I think the late hours got them. But, right. oh, and incidentally, one of the reasons that I did this show late at night is because nowhere, I believe, anywhere on earth, that I know of and ever heard of in history had somebody in this size market, a small to medium market, done sports talk radio that started after 11 o'clock at night. I don't know how much you guys are up that time of night, but anytime I've ever listened to sports talk radio after 11 o'clock at night, it's always generated out of a large metropolitan market. Mm-hmm. And I've never known of anybody in Charlotte, Greenville, Columbia, Anywhere. I mean, Charlotte's a pretty decent-sized market, mm-hmm. but I don't even think they do it up there. So, and, and for some reason, I have always had this idea in me to be different than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Don't be like anybody else. Do your right. own thing. And so this thought started about three, three and a half years ago. This thought started coming to me that nobody does late-night radio in this mm-hmm. size market. And usually it takes me about three or four times for a thought to pound on my head before I do something about it. And so finally, I pitched it to um, the minority owner of the radio station. And after three or four conversations, we shook hands and, and you know, up late with KB was born. Right. And uh, that's kind of how I, how I got into it. And what I was going to tell you real quickly to close that was... On night three, when neither of them showed up, I had already made a commitment to the ownership group of this radio station that I was going to do a show mm-hmm. from 11 o'clock at night till one in the morning. And, you know, you know how commitments are, man. If, you know, if you're people, if you want to be taken seriously in business, you honor your commitments, yep. even if they're just verbal. And so I went in there and I wasn't super duper scared, but there was some trepidation, you know. Mm-hmm. But I tell you, it was about 12, 13 minutes into it, I started thinking, man, I kind of like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if anybody else does or <laughs> did, but I was like, man, this, you know, and I rolled through that show and I just absolutely love it. Now, occasionally I'll have people in there. You've been on the show yeah, once or twice. Mm-hmm. I have a another friend who occasionally comes in, but most of the time, because it's a late night show, people can't come in. Now, I think I've heard, well, I know I have. Heard recently from Coach Lane Fowler of Burns, who's an, a state-winning uh, basketball coach, head basketball coach at Burns. He is going to be on the show this week coming up if we can coordinate the time and everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, I rarely have anybody in there, and that's just fine and dandy with me. Matter of fact, along that kind of same kind of vein, most radio talk show hosts look for interaction. Be it right or be it wrong, I really don't. I don't. I don't you know, turn it down. Somebody makes a call into the station, whatever, but I hardly ever give out my phone number. Maybe I'm just narcissistic to a (laughs) fault, man. I don't know. But, um, I just, I'd enjoy telling stories about where I've traveled to or my thoughts on players, you know, what kind of game they've got, that kind of thing. And I, you know, like I said, I'm just very comfortable doing a radio show by myself. And I'm happy to have you on because like you you said, you had a, you have a lot of thoughts about basketball, and I know a lot of people want to uh, have a lot to say about what's been going on in the NBA because sure. there's so much been going on with free agency. But and so let's switch to um, we're gonna talk a little bit of hoops. But okay. um, starting off before we get to free agency, kind of go back through the NBA finals. What was your um, thoughts on the NBA finals? Well, I, one thing I said on my show 
was that 20, 30 years from now, if you look up who won the NBA title, it's going to say Toronto Raptors. Mm-hmm. And most, most, what I call the masses, uh, most people are not going to remember, you know, the fact that the best player on the planet, Kevin Durant, didn't play. And one of the best players on the planet, Clay Thompson, you know, didn't play in game six and seven, right? Or a majority. It means game six. Yeah, game, 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 six, game, six, game yeah. seven. Man. Yeah. It was over in game six. six yeah, nine. I'm sorry, six. Yeah. You're, you're right. It didn't go seven. He missed but anyway, in game he, three. Yeah. He missed yeah. with a hamstring. Up yeah, yeah. And then I think he got hurt in the game five, didn't he? Or something like that. But anyway, a very key portion of that series he missed as well. And there was other injuries. And look, that's a part, you know, if you're Toronto, you're not going to give back the rings. You know? Not at all. <laughs> but but what I'm saying, only people who keep up with the game from year to year will know that there should be an asterisk beside right. you know, which is neither here nor there. They won the title. You got to give them their due. But if you look into it further, you know, you know, maybe they still win it if Kevin Durant's there and Clay Thompson is there. But I think oh, no, all they, of they us, still don't win it. Yeah, no. I, all of us, I, I mean, a lot of us uh, probably believe that the outcome would be different. Now, that doesn't take away from the fact that Kawhi Leonard had a historic performance. Yeah. He is, you know, easily on the short list of not only best players in the game right now, but before it's all said and done, as long as he doesn't incur any more serious injuries, he'll go down as easily one of the greatest of all time. But I thought it was a great series. I thought it was very entertaining. I thought it was fantastic for not only the city of Toronto, but the you know the entire nation of Canada, their fir- first time they were ever in the finals, and they closed the deal right. and got it done. So, uh, you know, regardless of what you think about Canada, it's kind of cool when you get a, something a little bit different. Right. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I believe had, had Golden State stay healthy, even if, even if Durant didn't play, I believe if Clay was still healthy, I believe Golden State still would have been serious because Clay been. was – he dropped thirty right before he, you yep. know, towards yep. towards AC. I think just those two by themselves, Steph and Clay. I think those guys would have still put him over the hump. But like yeah. you said, Toronto they took advantage of. As far as you're saying with Kawhi being one of those greats, it's for me. I think I think he'll definitely be a Hall of Famer. Where where to rank him is going to be kind of hard because he he misses a lot of games right now already. Plus, he, I mean, he still has a long way to go. But I think. Like I was telling Calvin, I believe what will even is enhance his legacy is that has he went to Toronto for one year and won it. If he goes to the Clippers and win it his first year, I think that would definitely push his resume up another oh, notch. Yeah. If he wins his first, I think even if he wins with the Clippers, regardless, it's, that's definitely it's, it's not going to hurt him. It's definitely going to enhance his legacy. But to go again in his first year and win. I think that would definitely give him – put him on a, yeah, another think, level. Yeah, what he's already done, having mm-hmm. a title in San Antonio and been a finals MVP. Finals and MVP. then he, you know, goes as a free agent to uh, to Toronto, to the Raptors, and wins it there. And he's finals MVP again, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, finals MVP. And, and look, tainted series, if that's what you want to call it, he's still, you know – I mean, you go to the car lot and there's a little – you know, mark on the Mercedes that they just give you. You're going to complain about that? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you dance with who brought you, so to speak. And, you know, you're, you're not going to, uh, you know, Toronto's not going to apologize for winning the NBA yeah. title. One of the things I took away from Ka- <clears throat> Kawhi's game, though, I, I, I said he's the best to me at picking his spots in the game. Like, he's, he's like, he's so quiet. He's just kind of like relaxed. He just picks his points in the game. 
where he'll just take over. Like he doesn't change his pace of the game. He plays at his own pace and he'll lock you down on defense. But at the same time, when it's time to get buckets in the fourth quarter, he just takes over. Like any he just picks his points in the game. And you look up, you're like, how did he get 30 points, mm-hmm. 35 mm-hmm. points, or however many he has? Mm-hmm. It's like this is the one guy that I look at and it's like he's the best at taking control whenever it's time to shine and come through for his team. He's the one that can go ahead and make yeah, those yeah. big plays. The great ones, man. They um, they seem to score effortlessly. Oh, you yeah. look up on the scoreboard near the end of the game or the end of the game. It's like you said, where did that thirty come from? Exactly. You know, and uh, I mean, he does have a quiet, killer type demeanor. But uh, I think the impressive thing about Kawhi is not only what you said, because I think that's an outstanding characteristic, but the fact that he's so upper level on both ends. I think Mm -hmm. the word great is overused. Not here, Mm because he is great. There's no question on both ends. But he's done what all great players end up doing. He's worked on his weaknesses. He's complimented his game. He's added to his arsenal. When he came in the league, he was a freakishly athletic 6'7 kid out of Southern California with huge hands Mm -hmm. who could get to the rim in spite of you know, a, a slight build and that kind of thing, but shot it only reasonably well. Now, I mean, this bucket's made yeah, clean airspace, and uh, you forget it most nights. I don't know if he'll ever get the credit he deserves, though, because he's not, like, flashy or one of those guys to kind of, like, build his brand. He's kind of, right, like, right. laid back and quiet. Yep. He doesn't do things for the camera. Even, like, the way he worked this behind the scenes with the clip was just, like, if nothing – he never let nobody anything knew. get – nobody, nobody knew. knew. Nobody saw it coming. And then it's late at news. night, yep. you get the bombshell, Kawhi going yep. to the clip, Absolutely. and he found a way to leverage and get Paul George yep. to come with yep. him. Yep. But that was that was a, a definitely a power move, but just to Kawhi's legs, I don't know if he'll get the credit he deserves because he's just not one of those guys that's yep. just flashy and doing stuff and, and not big on social media like right. like, right. Uh, like, like, like LeBron. Yep. Which, he's definitely not LeBron anyway. LeBron is like – on another level, like all time great, and one of my Mount Rushmores, which which we'll definitely talk about as well. But it just the way he carries himself, kind of like Tim Duncan in a way. Where you know, right, when yeah. people talk about greats, Tim Duncan is definitely one of the greats. But you know, sometimes you don't really hear his name because he was never like flashy or anything like that. He was just kind of laid back and quiet. He but, had the commercial with with uh, the Admiral. Remember when the Admiral was going to fall on his nose over in the – remember they were playing one-on-one? You don't remember that? Oh, oh, that might have been his only yeah. ad. But anyway. Yeah. That was Tim Duncan. Not the gnomes, Timmy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tim and uh, the Admiral, David Robinson. Anyway. Let's talk about uh, uh, Golden State real yep. quick. Um, I think everybody kind of – well, I felt like you kind of see the writing on the wall with Kevin Durant leaving. Were you surprised that he left or like about the move that he made? Uh, I don't know, man. It's it's so hard to tell. Um, I I think that one of the reasons he went to Golden State initially, and look, I don't. I think a lot of people, especially from my generation, um, you know, viewed that as. And I've heard so many of the greats like Barkley and Isaiah Thomas or whomever. I don't want to put their name on anything that they didn't say, but I mean, guys like that from that generation, you know. Uh, you know, looked at it as a cop-out move. Right. That kind of they thing. didn't like it. Yeah. yeah. But to me, think about it. You try an experiment, and that's basically what it is. You try a business. Like, let's say you get hired by Company X or whatever, and 
you know, it's a great company and you, you do well and all that, but you don't quite reach the level that you want to reach. Mm-hmm. Are you going to continue with that company, you know, into year 9, 10, 11, 12, 13? At what point do you say this experiment's not working? Right. And I think Kevin Durant was with uh, Russell Westbrook for eight years, if I'm not mistaken. I think he was nine years with the franchise. He was one of the very few that started in Seattle and then the franchise moved to OKC. But to me, I didn't have a problem with him moving. It's in This is the era of free agency. He's a business person. He's Kevin Durant, Inc. He can do whatever he wants. If you want to call him buying a championship, well, you look at a lot of the championships, if not a large majority of the championships that have been won in the last 20 or 30 years is because people have put together good players, whether it's the players doing it or management or whomever. I got news for you. If I was Kevin Durant, the best player on the planet, I don't care what people would say. I'm going to try to play with the best players and the best fit possible because I want to win. You call it buy, you call it whatever you want. Call my answering machine and that's exactly what you're going to get, my answering machine, because I could care less what you say. But I think the issue they had with it, I don't want to speak for them, I think kind of what they were saying, they felt that, I don't know if they necessarily had a problem with him leaving, which is to leave and go to Golden State, the team that he had down three three to one, they came back and beat him, and the team that was 73 to nine, that was what kind of rubbed in the wrong way, which to me, it wouldn't make sense why, why would you leave Oklahoma City, one of the, still one of the best teams in the league at that time, and go to a team that's not as good. So if you're going to leave your situation, why not go to a better situation? You won't want to leave there and go to a team that has nothing. You just start from the ground up again. So the, I think I really didn't have an issue with, you know, to me, I say kind of LeBron was one of those guys that kind of changed the way players look at things now with uh, commitment to team and going joining a better situation. But for me, I didn't really have an uh, issue with him leaving. And as far as him leaving Golden State, I kind of felt like the writing was on the wall anyway this year. Yeah. I felt like he really just wanted to go there, get his rings. And now that he was a made man, so you couldn't say that he didn't have any rings. Now he had his options of what he wanted to play freely this time. Yeah, yeah. I think there's two things. I have two thoughts about that. I think if KD would have stayed in Golden State, you know, everything is contingent upon people staying relatively healthy. Right. Staying away from catastrophic injuries. But if he stays in Golden State, they have a genuine opportunity to win more rings in the modern era. And look, Bill Russell was a fantastic player, but when he won 11 rings, whether it's six teams in the league or eight teams Mm -hmm. in the league at that time, which is all well and good, you know, Bill Russell couldn't control that, and he is one of the all-time greats. But let's say Bill Russell in his prime and Kevin Durant in his prime play one-on-one. I mean, I don't know about you, but Russell is fantastic. He's one of the all-time greats. And some but he can't shoot like Durant. Durant. Well, I mean, he, is he going to guard Kevin Durant? He might be great when Kevin Durant gets inside 14 feet, but all Kevin Durant's got to do is just keep drifting out yep. until he gets him a little bit on the perimeter. And with a nasty crossover at 6'11", and whatever he is, with a 7'6 wingspan and ability to shoot the ball from anywhere on the floor, not to mention ice water at another level in his veins. I mean, it's, I mean, look, Bill Russell was all that. Don't get me wrong. But Bill Russell never played on the perimeter. Right. I mean, he wasn't as complete or versatile a player as Kevin Durant was. Kevin Durant, by the same token, wasn't the rim protector 
that Bill Russell was. But the game is totally different now. It's played in this area as opposed to that area. That game then, you know, you rarely saw somebody shoot the ball. I mean, it wasn't even a three-pointer until, what, 1976 or something like that, the merger of the ABA into the NBA. But the point is, is to me, when I look at the modern-day game and I look at guys like Kevin Durant who exemplify or, or an example of the modern-day game, I just see a more complete whole player than, than one of the all-time greats like Bill Russell. So if he would have stayed at Golden State, I think they would have had an opportunity to win more rings than any other team oh, in yeah. history outside of Bill Russell's Celtics. Now, the other thing, why he left, I think one of the reasons Kevin Durant left was players at that level, athletes at that level, truly the elite level, the mountaintops of sports, if you will, they have to be constantly Mm re-challenged. I mean, look, he may have been thinking, and it could have been a number of things, it could have been personality conflicts, it could have been beliefs, spiritual beliefs. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was one of the reasons that he came in the first place. Did you know that he and Steph Curry and Andre Iguodala and I can't remember if Draymond was in there. I don't think it was, but it was like one or I think it was Livingston, Sean Livingston. But about four or five of those guys used to study the scriptures together. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they connect on that level. And I think that was a comfort factor for Kevin Durant. Matter of fact, we have a family friend, my sister and brother-in-law, a guy who used to be in their small church in Dayton, Tennessee, for years mentored Kevin Durant. Mm. in the scriptures. And so I know, and look, it may not line up exactly with what he does on social media or when you hear him interviewed, you know, uh, it, but I think overall Kevin Durant's heart is in the right place. I didn't mean to get off on, on that, that tangent there, no, but fine. I think the point is, is that originally him coming over, there was a comfort level there in so many different dimensions that, sealed the deal for him to come over. Sure, maybe the main thing was him getting those rings, right? right. Or the ability or the opportunity to best get it there, right? This is the most efficient, quickest way I can get a ring. Let's let's not lose uh, sight of the fact that he was two time MVP of the finals. finals. Now mm-hmm. he's the one that got it done. And who was guarding him one time? That was LeBron James. And I know LeBron's your boy and everything and look, LeBron hmm. definitely on the short list of one of the all time greats. But you need to erase those clips of, of the finals when he and Durant were going at it. I'm, I'm more uh, of a Kobe Durant fan. Had no, had, had no mercy. Yeah. On, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a Kobe fan. But, okay. you know, I'm a Lakers fan yep. as well. So yep. LeBron, yep. you know, kind of inherited LeBron. Yeah. But, but, you know. but to finish that thought about Durant, why I think he left, I, I think the next challenge for him is to win it where he's the cornerstone. He became quickly the cornerstone mm-hmm. in Gold State because he's the best player on the planet, in my opinion. Right. Because of all the things he can do, you know, and he's gotten so much better defensively in the last three, four years. Right. That was always kind of, to me, a a black mark on his resume is that he was okay defensively. But now I'm not saying he's the greatest defender in the league, but now he does a lot of things defensively that can really help a team. Right. But I think that the reason that he left this time most to kind of answer your question in a roundabout way is that next challenge. Can I go someplace and look, you're not going to do it without two or three max players and mm-hmm. then surrounding them with very good right. NBA talent. I mean, like I'm saying, I don't think you're going to have Kevin Durant and then everybody else making 5 to $15 million on your roster. Right, right. It's tough to get it done and yeah. win a title. 
you better have another max player or two. But he's got Kyrie. But I think it was the next challenge of building something new. And also, you know, by now it wasn't the Knicks, but I think he would have signed with the Knicks if they'd had a different owner. But he does give the city of New York an opportunity to bring a title back there. It shouldn't be the Knicks, but James Dolan's in the way of that. So until he you know, chokes on his, you know, banjo or whatever, <laughs> or his saxophone or whatever. Um, it's going to have to be done there in Brooklyn. And and look, I, I, this is going a whole different direction. I'll try to keep this as short as possible. It's We're still looking at another year season for right. him to come back. And even when he comes back, you know, you're coming back off of an Achilles, you know, tear. And that's, that ain't no joke, right. a rupture or whatever you call it. Plus, Kyrie has a uh, has a history of knees. being yeah knees and ankles and whatever. So you know they're winning a title. It's not a done deal. It's contingent about a bunch of things, mainly both of them's health and the fact that Kyrie has never been known as a great defender at the one guard position, which is the hardest thing in all of sports to do outside of hitting major league pitching is to guard a one guard in the NBA. There's thirty of them out there. Yeah. Los that's got. Torch and matches and yeah. light you up every <laughs> on a, night. On a given night. Yeah, absolutely. But, but for KD now, I believe he's kind of in a way playing with house money because now he's in a situation where if he he's with Brooklyn now, yep. if he doesn't win, people can say, well, you know, he can't he came back from an Achilles injury, so he's never quite yeah. the same. So yeah. in a way, he doesn't have to worry about that. Plus, on top of that, he already has his rings. Yeah. So that's why I said now that he has rings. He can go wherever freely and not have to worry about man, I'm one of the all-time greats, but I don't have a ring. So that, so that in a way, frees him up. Yeah, it frees yeah, him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Gotcha. But I, I just want to know, uh, overall on free agents, what was your thoughts and what was the big surprise for you? I, I think the big surprise was the obvious one, Paul George. Um, like, and look, I'm going to, in this segment, talk about Russell Westbrook. Uh, and I'll try to shift back to your question. But I'm not anti-Russell Westbrook. I, I think Russell Westbrook has brought incredible entertainment value to all of us who watch him on a nightly basis. Might be the greatest athlete to ever walk on this planet. He's short, certainly on the short list. But is his style of basketball conducive to deep playoff runs and titles? And the answer so far has been no. And to me, that's one of the reasons KD left. But to answer your question, I you know when Paul George signed with Oklahoma City a year and a half ago, whenever he signed and played the year with Russell, one of the reasons he did it is because I think these are his own words. He's kind of a country boy, and what do I mean mm-hmm. by that? he likes fishing and hunting and stuff like that? And OKC is more conducive to that than LA, even though he's from the greater from LA area, you know. But um, so it kind of sh- surprised me that he left. But I think Paul George, who I think is fantastic, especially when he's healthy, he's an MVP candidate this year. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he's a great two-way player, and so. That really surprised me. It didn't surprise me that Kawhi signed with the Clippers because of the Jerry West factor. I've even, on my radio show, called Jerry West the most important figure, the most important man in the history of the NBA, or maybe Mm. in the history of basketball itself. Not only was he a top 50 player of all time, but the work he's done with oh the moves he's made oh, oh man all time he, all he, time people great. don't know they need to know he was primarily responsible for building that Golden State Dynasty mm-hmm. that was Jerry West 
Because you remember, it was a time where they were trying to, they were talking about trading Clay to get Kevin Love, but he was the one that said no. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought that would have been a big mistake had they moved. It would have made no sense to me. Incredible basketball Mm -hmm. visionary, even in his late 70s or whatever he is now, and he continues to get it done. And I was always of the belief, I believe he's going to get Kawhi, but he even one-upped my belief in, in him and he and the and, and, and look, he's not the only reason they got Kawhi and Paul George. You know, they're building a brand new mm-hmm. building, be ready in like three seasons, something like that. They've also got now you they've gone, the Clippers have from one of history's absolute terrible worst owners of all time. Mm-hmm. And now they have one of the best in a guy named Steve Ballmer, whose pockets are deeper than any other right. NBA owner. And he's willing to spend and pay the money and players like playing for a guy like that. Mm-hmm. So they've got a really good situation. You, you've got a chance to, you know, and look, it would be great. You know, if you could bring another title to LA Lakers history, their lore and all that. And that's a, that's a tremendous draw, but there's something to be said for having your own thing. There's something to be mm-hmm. said for right in LeBron's back door, right. bringing titles in there. And I think both of those guys are up for that. But I, and I respect, I respect as a Laker fan, I really respect that move because it was like Kawhi does his own thing. He doesn't want to go join LeBron and, and, and pile on rings or whatnot. Because yeah. I believe he would have went there. Definitely would have, they definitely would have ended up capturing some more rings. But to go, Create your own lane, do your own uh, your own legacy, yep. and you got It's gonna be a tough task because the West is so oh, yeah. so oh, tough. Yeah. But to go create your own lane and then find a way to leverage and get Paul George to come there, which Oklahoma City really didn't have to do that because Paul George had just resigned with them, so he was still stuck there for at least another three years or so. But for for Kawhi to make the power move that he did, and and nothing leaked out where. All the reporters were scrambling and saying it was between Toronto and the Lakers. And then all of a sudden, late at night, you yeah. hear that he's going to, to the Clippers. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's bringing Paul George with him. Yeah. That, I think that was a, a big move. So, I actually I, I respect what he did. Do I think he'll win it this year? It's still it's still tough. I think it's still I think he's still going to have some more moves to be made or whatever. But with him and Paul George, I think that's a, one of the better duos in the NBA. I still both ends. both ends. I still like I don't know. The better duo though, I mean, LeBron and A D, that's it's I don't think too, that's, that's a tough one. LeBron's nine hundred now. You have to remember. Yeah, he's getting up to age. Yeah, he is. That was one of my things as a Lakers fan, I was kinda hesitant because I was I said at some point you just get old. And LeBron is, he's played a lot of minutes, even though he still averaged what, twenty seven, eight and eight last year. Yeah. He still had a great right. year, but I just hope he can hold right, up. Right, and I don't think it's on the offensive end. I just the last two or three years, to me, any clips I've seen, man, he has fallen off defensively, yeah. big time. And look, if anybody, look, nobody is going to defeat Father Time. Nobody. Mm-hmm. It, it's proven. We all know that, right? Right. LeBron has cheated Father Time as well or better than anybody, right? But it starts to show. It first shows up on the defensive end. You know, you play basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you, playing playing basketball offensively or defensively, but especially defensively, is about your ability to get low mm-hmm. with a great center of gravity and to being able to stay with people in a low position. I tell kids that I teach all the time, I was look, a high percentage of the game of basketball is played very low. 
you've got to stay in a, even if you're a big man, but especially if you play on the perimeter, you've got to be able to stay in a defensive stance. Otherwise, you won't be able to stay in front of your man. And then when it's time to explode to the rim or explode up on a jump shot, explode for a block or whatever, then you release out of that. But then you immediately go right back to that low position. So I think, and that's very tough to do, the guy his age. So to me, the challenge for LeBron this year is you've got to show me that you can maintain a level of defensive intensity and not hurt your team. Otherwise, your team is kind of playing like L.A. was last year, four on five, Mm -hmm. you know, and that doesn't go real well in the locker room. I mean, it's like when LeBron, I can't remember, he was at one point last year, he was kind of talking junk about his teammates. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you, if I was his teammate and I I could have cared less uh, who I was or what what the uh, results would have been of my words, but I looked LeBron dead in the mouth and I said, LeBron, until you start guarding somebody again, shut up. I don't mm-hmm. want to hear it. You know, I don't care if you are LeBron James. You don't mm-hmm. mean nothing to me if you're not guarding somebody. Right. So it's about what happens in the 94 feet, but especially on the defensive end. Guard I, somebody. I think I think this year, though, I believe he'll be more locked in for one, missing the playoffs, and then on top of that, you know, knowing that. He's probably got at least another two years top level, and and maybe after that it's, it might be over with for him. So I think now that he has Anthony Davis, I think he knows time is coming where he needs to maximize his chance to win Absolutely. another ring or two. Because, I mean, like you said, he'll be, what, 35 this year, and this will be, what, his 17th, 18th year in the league. So that's, that's a lot of basketball. Plus, you know, all those years, seven, eight he's years He's already ago, 35 or 36, he's, isn't he? He's, yeah, he's, uh, he's up there somewhere. I, w- I want to say he was about to be – about to be 35. Is this his 17th or 18th year? I think this will be year, I want to say 17th. This is 17th year in the league. Yeah. He came in at 18 yeah, so years old. So, eight and so, seven. so, so he, he is 35, about to turn 36. Is so, that so LeBron is, like is, is, is he's pushing it. But I think yeah. these two years. Guarding 21-year-olds now, 22-year-olds. Yeah. I just thought I'd make that point. So so let's talk, so talk about how um the West stacks up. Who, who would you say would be your favorite right now? I mean, uh, I, we're still a long way to look, go, but look, on paper. I never defended very well myself, <laughs> so I'm not saying I did. I want to make that clear. But, I mean, I'm big on teams that defend well. And I, I, the Clippers, man, with Patrick Beverly as their head guy uh, leading a defense, um, and he may even go over the line a little bit. I didn't like what he did to Russell Westbrook after right. the ball was already dead and out of bounds. <laughs> he injured him. But – the way that guy sets the tone defensively, and then you've got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George mm-hmm. to guard your wings. I mean, and the game is played outside in instead of inside out these days. Uh, that they're going to be they're going to be very difficult to look. You'll you'll put runs together against them occasionally, but the thing about the NBA man is that you know those those teams that win a bunch of games during the year and then they go on deep playoff runs. It's all about the sustaining things, you know, because anybody, uh, any decent NBA player can go out and have a decent quarter, maybe even a, a whole good game, mm-hmm. 22 career high. But you look at guys who average a bunch on the offensive end or they have good metrics, numbers, whatever you want to call them on the defensive end over a sustained period of time. 
And I think you're looking at a Clippers team that's going to be very tough to beat. Are they the absolute favorite? I don't know. Because like you said, depending on what LeBron does on the defensive end, they could be super as well. I'm a big Kuzma fan. I like now, Kuzma. Anthony Davis easily on the short list of best players in the game. Top right five. Now. I have no question. Probably better than that, especially most nights. You know, and once again, everything is contingent upon people staying relatively healthy. And they've filled out their roster lately pretty pretty nicely, you know. So I think they're going to be uh, – I mean, this is a big dub, but they're going to be much better than they were last year. And I'm sure they'll make the playoffs, and oh, yeah. they may even have the best record in the entire league. But just like everybody else, they're going to have to get some breaks. They're going to have to be blessed, be fortunate, whatever. And, uh, you know, people not get hurt. And – a lot of it's about personalities and all and a lot of it's about selflessness, you know, even LeBron. LeBron is, even though he's a pass first guy, I understand all that, and he is, and, and I credit LeBron for that for his whole career. This year, is maybe not so much on the court, but it spills over from on the court, the spotlight. You mm-hmm. know, he's gotta be willing, he's gotta and I think LeBron will. For one, LeBron's mind is is Unparalleled, yeah, one of a kind. I mean, I've read articles where LeBron James has a true eidetic memory, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with that term. It's basically a photographic memory. LeBron, mm-hmm. they say LeBron James can remember not only every single game he was in and every single play of that game, but every single game he's ever seen. Mm-hmm. He can take you back third quarter, 7-11 left to go in the third quarter, and he was sitting on the sideline watching two other teams play, and Clay Thompson hit a shot there. He missed a shot. I mean, to the minute detail. And a guy with a mind like that, it's just That's incredible. But, yeah, but but I think LeBron, I don't know why it went all the way around the world. It's just kind of my nature to say that I think LeBron's smart enough, wise enough, whatever the term is, to know that he needs to defer, not in every situation. He still he still is a fantastic, one of the all-time great players. But there's going to be a lot of situations that in the past he had the ball and trying to make a play either for himself or teammates. Now, more times than not, that ball needs to punch be punched into AD. And, you know, until there's a true double or a triple team, you know, and Anthony Davis can pass out of those yeah. things, you know. But he's going to have to defer to AD and others, maybe even Kuzma and, and some others. I mean, LeBron knows what a great shot is. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe maybe take a little bit of the ego and get it out of the way. And I, I don't think he's ever really had a problem with that on the court. But maybe somehow as it spills off the court, maybe he can do a better I job think, of that anyway. I think Utah, for me, is one Utah of those teams. Is one fantastic. of the teams that's, that's, that's coming. I, I I want to see the Knicks, how Donovan Mitchell progresses. I think if if he can take another step into stardom, superstardom, I, be, I believe they have a, a shot at at least getting uh, to the conference finals. At least the conference finals. But because I, I, I yeah. like what they did, yeah. getting uh, Mike Conley. I was going to say, bringing in Mike Conley was a great move. And you still got the rim protecting Rudy Gobert. Absolutely. And they added some pieces on the bench Absolutely. with uh, – 
with That's Jeff Green and Emmanuel Mourier. Yep. Yep. And they picked up Bogdanovich from uh, another right. shooter from uh, shooter scored, from yep. Indiana. So I think yep. they have a great shot. Absolutely. I just want to see Don't how. Don't forget Denver. Denver's Denver. still very yeah. good. Portland's Yo- Jokic is good. for real. Jokic is a real deal. He, he, he's probably the best passing big man in the NBA right now. The and, he, and there's he a lot of good ones. The yeah. There's a lot of good ones. He's special. But he's Coach. super. But I'm, I'm just trying to figure out who, who would come out. I think the only team out right now at the top of my head is probably going to fall out of the West would be the Thunder. Yeah. But then other than well, that. Well, they're in a total rebuild. So yeah. That's, yeah, that's pretty much a given. I think Houston, to me right now, I, I still say they'll probably be right around the, the same with Westbrook. I don't know how much more. I just got to see how, how him and, and Harden uh, mesh together. But Yeah, I you know, man, I, I uh, look, like I said, I, Russell Westbrook is just phenomenal mm-hmm. athletically. And he's a great basketball player. But, you know, um, and, and look, James Harden with the ball in his hands is something that I'd pay money to see. But do I trust him with that style of basketball, even when they're together, to make deep playoff runs? I just don't, man. Right. To, to me, it's been proven that you don't win playoffs like that. And I, I'll just go ahead and put it out there right now. A team with James Harden on it, I just don't think everyone's a title. Mm. I really don't. I think it's, it's hard to say. I think they got a good shot. Well, I don't know. No, not this year. I just think it's maybe if he has the right – well, he had Chris Paul at point. I don't know. It's, it's just something missing with his game. But this year in the West, I – You know I, what's I missing like with his game? Yeah, a green light. It's way too yeah, green. He shoots a lot. Yeah, and, and, they, yeah. and they need to play way better too defense. Well, I mean, the, the – the proven way to go on deep playoff runs and win titles now is player movement and ball movement. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you've got great one-on-one players like Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, if you've got the right coach and you're in the right system, you've got the right ownership group and all that, and the freedom to do the things you you can do, it's proven. I mean, look, every year before Kevin Durant left, every year – Going in, we know who's going to win the title. Yeah. Golden State's going to win the title. Right. We don't know yeah. that now, which is probably makes it better for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's more parity and everything. But the point is there. Ball movement, player movement, and you're still going to be able to get yours. You the hardest thing for me watching Harden is just the, the dribble, 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 then five seconds left, then he's pulling up. He makes just, amazing shots, mm-hmm. but it's just but yeah, you, not, you you're, not be, you're not going to be great. And to me, Golden State is one of the best teams with Steph, like, moving without the ball, like, the way he moves without the ball is, like, the best in the league to Steph me. Steph Curry, to me, is the purest thing offensively mm-hmm. he's ever stepped on the floor. I mean, listen, uh, you get essentially the same thing in a 6'11 package with Durant. Not the exact same mm-hmm. thing, but essentially you're basically trying to put the ball in the hole, right? I mean, Steph Curry offensively, uh, you know, a lot of people, most basketball purists call him the greatest shooter of all time. I call him not only the greatest shooter of all time, but mark this one now, the greatest passer of all time. You watch Steph Curry on a nightly basis. Watch that Steph Curry off the dribble, either hand, flips the ball regularly 35, 40 feet across the floor to Clay or Durant or whomever, plus all this stuff down the lane, Mm -hmm. I mean, behind the ears and all that, all necessary stuff. The creativity is off the chart. I mean, I know people say magic. I know people. a lot of people say bird. I know, you know, Tony Kukoc was a great passer. They called him the waiter because he served it up. And 
there's been a lot of great pastors, and I'm overlooking a lot for time sake. But I'm telling you, for my money, Steph Curry in the in the perimeter skill set, perimeter offensive skill set, dribble, pass, shoot. When you combine those three, there's only maybe three people in the history of the game that even came close. Pistol Pete is one. You know, was unbelievable. Isaiah Thomas, the original one, was unbelievable. But I'm telling you, Steph Curry. Now, Damon Lillard is a great shooter. He's great off the bounce. There's all these one guards in the NBA that are tremendous off the bounce. Thanks, Steve Nash was a great passer, Steve Nash was an unbelievable passer. He was unbelievable off the bounce. He definitely should be in that conversation. But I think when you got a guy like Steph Curry, you kind of got like Steve Nash on the roids. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just amped up a little. I think with Steph, the reason it's hard for me to me to give him that is because he he drives me crazy sometimes because he's like a lot of selfless hot dog and passes and he sometimes he throws it out of bounds. He can he can get careless with the ball. Yeah, he can yeah. definitely pass the ball now. Yeah. He, he's one definitely one of yeah. the best. But that's what kind of drives me hot crazy. Dog stuff. I think it's all necessary. Mm -hmm. I think where they get in trouble and Steph gets in trouble gets a little bit lackadaisical. And I'm not saying they're getting bored. But, I mean, you know, when when, thing, when you work as hard as those guys do and you mix that with incredible God-given ability, the game becomes so easy, even at that level. And I'm not saying those guys work as hard as anybody, you mm -hmm. know, at, at their craft. If you've ever seen a, a private workout with Steph Curry, I mean, it's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the core and the whole nine. But it become when you get to a point, it becomes so natural and so easy to you that complacency naturally sets in. And that's what those guys have to guard against. And I think when you see those turnovers between him and Clay and Durant or whoever, whomever, yeah. then that's because they're they're getting a little bit complacent because it has come so easy for them. I also think that I forgot to say when when they when assuming Clay comes back healthy, I think they'll still be, you know, Still be very good. Still I still think good. they have one. Forget about Draymond. And Draymond, yeah. Most players of games ever seen. And, and they picked up D'Angelo. I think – I still believe D'Angelo. He'll, he'll fit in with them. Maybe, yeah, should. Maybe he'll should. give them enough offense until Clay comes back, and then they got to figure out a way to kind of piece it together. But I still think Golden State is still right in the mix again. And yeah. I think this is one of the best things that happened to Steph as well with KD leaving. Yeah. Now he can reassert himself. Yeah. As the man on the team again, yeah. which which I which I missed seeing before Durant was there because Steph was just on this legendary run already. Oh where he gosh. was just the way he yeah. just took over the league. I mean, two MVPs just, and should have got another. Mm -hmm. But on that, real quickly to close it, if you want to, on that, excuse me. The um, the uh, it hurt me to my heart, and it was a business move, and it was the right move that they had to get rid of Andre Iguodala. He is. Uh, maybe my favorite athlete of all time, or if, if not, I kind of saw right that there. coming though. I love AI, that AI, and I love the original AI too. Mm -hmm. But uh, Andre Iguodala to me is the most underrated basketball player of all time. Mm -hmm. he, he, he is. Uh, what he's done for that organization, and, and let's not forget that when he was in Philly, he was the man. Mm -hmm. He averaged, I think I looked it up, I thought he averaged about 26 a game. I think he only averaged about 22 a game or something like that. But, I mean, really doing it all. Um, and But he just he seamlessly came into that organization and did all the dirty work. He's one of the greatest defenders of all time. He makes big shots. He didn't shoot a real high percentage mm -hmm. from outside the line, um, the three-point line. 
but he makes mid-range jump shots. He makes athletic plays. Even at this age, he's still one of the upper athletes in that league. It just hurt me to see him. I, and Livingston, too. I like yeah. Livingston. I wish they would have kept him, but yeah. what kind of, when I saw the writing on the wall, was um, I don't know if you saw it was the interview he did on the Breakfast Club a few weeks ago. And he was talking about his, his how his book came out, The Six Men. He has a book out. Yeah. And then he was saying some different things about how what his injury situation uh, was last last year, the year before that, where he was saying that they diagnosed him with like a, a sprain or something. But he said that on the interview, he said he actually had a uh, a fracture in his leg. So it's kind of like he was kind of throwing the team under the bus saying that they kind of misdiagnosed his injury or whatever. So once once he said it, it was kind of like he threw them under the bus, and then he was saying some other things about the team, and then he was saying how Mark he felt like Mark Jackson was being blackballed as well, by the, not just with, um, with just all, overall just being blackballed. So once once I saw some of those things, I was like, it's kind of like he was kind of burning that bridge in a sense that you know he's saying that they misdiagnosed his injury, or like they might may have been doing the same thing with Durant. So once I saw some things like when I saw that interview, that's why I was like, okay. Either he's getting ready to hang it up, or he's almost sure he's about to find his way out of Golden State. And like Love maybe a week later, yeah. yeah, he was gone. But uh, one one thing before okay. we got here, right. I want to touch on uh, the. Uh, I know you watch a lot of basketball. You've seen a lot. Give me your um, four faces of NBA Mount Rushmore of all time. All time. <laughs> That's a loaded question. You should have emailed me that last night. <laughs> oh gosh. If you want me to start, I'll, I'll give you mine. Okay. okay. Um, for, for me, um, I actually had Marcus uh, Burnett on from SUV TV, and we had this conversation. For me, tell Marcus I said hello. I, I will. But my my uh, my four starting off, I, I said Bill Russell. I will put him on my Mount Rushmore. Even though I didn't see him play, um, I would put him on my Mount Rushmore because more because he's pretty much like one of the pioneers, one of the guys yeah, who kind of okay. drove the league. Um, even, even though when I hollered at him in the Atlanta airport about 25 years ago, he blew me off. But it's all good. <laughs> um, I ain't holding that against him. So I have Can't Bill, Bill Russell. Uh, number two, I have uh, Magic Johnson. I think what well, he he's done for the NBA. Um, one of the, still one of the biggest faces and one of the most known guys in the league right now. Even though I didn't see him play as well, I, I still think he's a legend. What he's done for the league, um, I have him. Um, I have LeBron James. I think LeBron for me, yeah, it was just for me LeBron because of what he's done on the court. He's all time great, but even what he's done off the court and the things he's his philanthropy and giving back to the community, starting a school, um, his stance on uh, social issues. It's like he's one of those guys that kind of embrace that. You know, a lot of times guys make this money, have a platform. And they don't really like speaking on those issues because they don't want to hurt, hurt their brand. But LeBron was one of those guys to me that kind of fully embraced it. So, of course, for me, LeBron um, is on my Mount Rushmore. No, I don't even have you Mike, don't on, Mike on I don't have okay. Mike on there. And I'm a Kobe fan. I'm, I'm a, Kobe Kobe's my all-time favorite player. I don't have Kobe on there. For oh, me, wow. the last guy I put on there is Allen Iverson. And the reason I put Iverson on there is because, for me, he was the guy – Growing up, you know, he kind of embraced the hip hop culture, you know, mm-hmm. with the tattoos, the yep. headband, yep. and the mm-hmm. cornrows. And, you know, one of the guys that w- was flashing with jewelry and all those things. Mm-hmm. And he was still an all time great player as well. Mm-hmm. But for me, the way he embodied the hip hop culture, and now that you see how when you watch NBA games, like when they're going to commercial breaks in and out, you always hear hip hop songs and different things mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. the NBA is kind of 
catering to their hip hop culture as well mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And I think Iverson was one of those guys that was fully embracing it. Uh, and of course, with the jury stuff, eventually mm-hmm. they ended up banning, you know, jury at All Star mm-hmm. games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But for me, Iverson one of those was one of those guys with an all time great player. And then the way he embraced the culture, for me, I put him on my NBA Mount Rushmore as well. AI. Yep. My man. All right. Um, first, um, I, you know, I, you, there, to me, there's you can't come up with a perfect list. No, you, you can't. Know? I think there's no less than 20 guys you could put on this list. And I haven't given this a whole bunch of thought, but I would, it's probably the era that I'm from, but I'd have to go with Mike. Uh, I'd have to, he'd have to start it. And, you know, you were speaking about how LeBron had embraced, you know, the political activism to some degree, that kind of thing. Mike was exactly opposite. He did not. He, mm-hmm. he stayed away from all that. And maybe it was, you know, part of his personality, a part of the time that he came into the league and that kind of thing. I don't know. But anyway, he didn't. But as far as the ability on the court and making your stamp on the history of basketball, I think it, there's no way that I could keep Michael Jordan off of, mm-hmm. off of the uh, off of the Big Four, the Mount Rushmore. Um, and I agree with you on Magic. Uh, matter of fact, some uh, really keen basketball minds that I've all, that I've talked to say, "Look, man, it's a team game, and there's no better team player in the history of basketball than Magic Johnson because mm-hmm. he did whatever it took to win a game." Magic Johnson, I don't know to this day, has ever shot a jump shot. He had a little push shot when he came into the league. But he was six, eight and a half, bigger than almost everybody on the court when he played and had an incredible handle. How many times you saw Magic? did you see Magic Johnson get picked? I don't know if I ever saw it mm-hmm. one time. Incredible security of the basketball, which is a huge thing in basketball. I mean, besides all the... You know, no-look passes, and, and a lot of people call him the greatest passer of all time. He's certainly on a short list. He just found a way to get it done. He beat you, plain mm-hmm. and simple. As long as sometimes there wasn't Larry Bird standing in the way, you know, but a lot of times he beat Bird mm-hmm. in classic matchups when they went head-to-head. Was it – if it – okay, so I've got – I've got Michael Jordan, I've got Irvin Magic Johnson, mm-hmm. and my third or fourth might have been Larry Bird had it not been for a couple of factors that I'll try to say real quickly. I believe if Larry Bird would have grown up in a different time, more toward where we are now, and a different place, then he possibly could have been in the greatest of all time. The reason Bird's career was cut short was because of back issues, Right. Imagine if he grows up in a more progressive area uh, area of the country, like more of an urban environment, and also with more technology, more closer to today, you get him in sports rehab, you get him with these kinesiologists, you get him, you know, being able to stretch and build his body better and stretch better and all that. Mm-hmm. Here's a name for you to research, Alex McKechnie. He might be the hero behind Toronto's title this year, because he's their strength and conditioning physiology guy who really brought Kawhi in mm-hmm. and I think kept Kawhi healthy. I don't think Kawhi was 100% this year. And I think because of Alex McKechnie, you know, some videos on him working with Steve Nash and some other people with the big balls and the stretchy ropes and all that. But anyway, uh, so I'd go 
Michael Jordan. I go Magic Johnson. Number three, I'm going to throw you a curveball here. My greatest center of all time is not Wilt Chamberlain, as huge as his numbers were. It's not Bill Russell. He's great, 11 titles and all that. It's not Shaq, but he deserves a lot of mention. It's not anybody else. It's Akeem Olajuwon. Mm. To me, if we're starting a pickup game with anybody in history, no matter how the game is played, you can have anybody else at the five spot. I want Akeem. That's what Akeem. I want Lakers Shaq. Shaq uh, with the Lakers. Shaq. You you look at now. This is not fair to Shaq because it was his very first year in the league. But Orlando played Houston in the finals. I oh, believe they watched him yeah. when they when. But it was a seasoned Olajuwon and a new Shaq. Mm-hmm. Now Shaq, I think Shaq has a great read on himself. He, he, Shaq has never said about himself that he's the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. He always uses the MDE, the most dominant ever. Mm-hmm. And he's either first or second in that category because Wilt played in a time, and I think a lot of people think that he was dominating centers that are only 6'6 six, six or 6'8. Six, that really wasn't the case. But nobody was as big as Wilt, but he was super athletic. The problem I had with Wilt and keeping him off the Mount Rushmore was he is incredibly selfish. Mm. Wilt was very now he learned that he, you know, people complained about him not, you know, passing the ball. So what he did, I'll show you, he went out and led the league in assists for next year. So he can pass the ball and he could pass the ball. But I just think a guy like, but getting back to Shaq, he he there he was, was a run where he was he, super dominant. He was dominant. And and when he and, and Kobe won those titles for the Lakers, his numbers were monstrous. And you weren't going to do it without him, but giving credit to your boy Kobe, because I think he gets excluded from a lot of all-time mm-hmm. great lists, and he shouldn't. I think the last two years of his career put a bad taste in a lot right. of people's mouth, mine included. But during those championship runs, it was Kobe making a majority of those mm-hmm. big shots. The, I just didn't remember. Finals, but Shaq, he punished Mutombo in the finals. Like, Philly, they, they won that first game. Yep. And I, obviously, you know, he got the monumental picture of him stepping over Teron Lou. But after that, Shaq just, he punished yeah. Mutombo. Oh, yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was over. Hey, you know what? I want a real quick note. You mentioned Teron Lou. I think he's had a great coaching career. But even in those finals, even though you look up Iverson's numbers, and they were huge because he didn't have a whole bunch of scoring help. Mm-hmm. And I don't like it when people said, oh, he, like when they say about LeBron, he, LeBron, he drug Cleveland to the finals. He had nobody. He had NBA players with him, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Larry Hughes is Larry Hughes, but still, he could play the game. Right. Didn't have as good a team as other people who have won the finals. But don't give me this. He did it by himself. Stop. But Tyron Lue's effort defensively of guarding Iverson that entire series was a big unknown mm-hmm. key to that series because he did a great job. You look up Iverson's numbers, he averaged like 34 or 37 a game, but then well, go to his scoring it. numbers, I mean to his percentage, shooting percentage, and you'll see his shooting percentage was way down because Tyron Lue did his part. And that's what I'm talking about. To win titles, man, you've got to be selfless. Great teams have selfless players, at least a lot of them. And, okay. okay, so how many did I have? I had yeah. Mike, I had Magic, I had Hakeem, Olajuwon, and, and I need one more, right? And to me, it's between Steph and KD. Steph and KD. Yeah, and and look, I think I think K, I think Steph gets a bad rap defensively. 
I think a Me lot too. of people say. I think a lot of people say that he can't defend. I call. I, I, I try to refrain from calling them names, but I say you're not watching. You're not watching. The here's the here's the point. The point is is that there's nobody on this planet. You may go to other planets. Nobody on this planet, night in, night out, can guard the great one guards in this league. If you're mm-hmm. guarding another one guard, no matter who you are, Steph, Damien, or whoever, the only thing you're trying to do is, is to try to get them off their limit. Try to make them have a 5-for-21 night as right. opposed to a 8-for-19 night or something like mm-hmm. that where they're close to 50% shooting. Nobody can guard a one guard in this league. There's no way. Steph does as good a job, not as anybody. He's not Patrick Beverly. Yeah. He's not He's not Eric Bledsoe. He's not a super elite, but he's he way closer to, uh, you know, the 60%. He's, 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 a, he's a good defender, and sometimes he gets blown by as well, but mm-hmm. everybody does. But he gets a bad rap. So with that, historically, but it's – I tell you, can I get five? I can't get five. Four. Can I? Four. <sighs> I mean, I, I I don't see. In your and it depends on the rest of what Kevin Durant does for his mm-hmm. career. I just, I mean, I think both of those guys are. But if I had to say right now, I guess I'd. I, I mean, forgive me, Steph. Forgive me, but I guess I'd have to go with KD. I would have said in that situation, I would have said Steph because he kind of revolutionized basketball. He, he really he, did. He's not the most athletic guy. Not the biggest guy. And he could just pull up from anywhere on the court and, and just drink and change the three-point game. And, 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 and here's the thing that people, if they realize it, they don't mention it. So I guess Steph is just catching and shooting. Step off the bounce, getting his own. Hey, I haven't even mentioned Steph around the rim. Steph around the rim is special. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the stuff, stuff he makes. But step on the perimeter with the step back, step to the side, a la the Harden, without walking. You know, Harden walks about 30% of the time. They let him get away with oh, yeah. Why, I don't know. Oh, it's ridiculous. I'm, I'm not totally in love like, with the beard. My last name ain't Kardashian. <laughs> but the point is that step off the bounce and some of the stuff he does and the lightning release and all that. Look, let's don't overlook Clay because he's a special, special all-time mm-hmm. shooter himself. But Steph with the range and the off the bounce and the variety of shots that he makes and all that. And look, I don't want to – like you said, I'm glad you mentioned Steve Nash. He's kind of a pioneer in that respect. He and Dirk Nowitzki, who we haven't mentioned yet either, they kind of pioneered some of that stuff off one foot, falling away here and there. But um, these guys have maybe taken it to another level, but just super, super special players. One other thing before we get out of here about the uh, the Mount Rushmore, like you were saying, it's, it's, hard. it's, it's, it's not a definite top four because no. – one thing I also said was that when, you, when you're doing Mount Rushmore, the reason I didn't have Michael Jordan to me was because one thing about it, you can't say for definite that I mean, of course, everybody say he concedes that he's the greatest player. Well, not everybody, but some people, it's like the majority. Yeah, majority of people say he's the greatest ever, but it's nothing yes, in concrete that says Michael Jordan is the greatest all-time player, period. It's right. like, there's it's no way you can just say this. It's pretty much opinion, which most people believe he is. So, with that said, I was like, okay, he's he, I would, I mean, I probably conceded to it, even though I was born in '92. So when Jordan retired in '98, I was six years old. So I didn't you can't really appreciate. It. Yeah, I can't really there. appreciate. Like, it. You yeah. can look I, back at film and all that, but right. you were actually watching the game. 
as a rational exactly. adult, you know, yeah. that I understand it. So, so for me, of course, I grew up, I got a chance to watch LeBron. I got a chance to, to watch Iverson. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you never can say who's the greatest of all time, which for me, I still put Le, uh, Kobe over LeBron, just my opinion. I just think that killer will that Kobe has. And like it's you said, man. yeah, in, in those last two years, I believe some people might look at it like, man, Kobe was just awful. But, you know, it, it was just injuries. But yeah. if, if you watch him in his early years and all the way to the, the two rings without Shaq, man, Kobe was was just special. He was the best on the planet. He was. Wow, he was. He was. He was. He was dominant in his in his yep. era. So, yep. and they, I don't even have Kobe, which is my guy on, on my yeah. worst worst. My, my my issue with Kobe was he had a little bit too much of a green light at times. Mm-hmm. And those those last two years, I didn't have a. I knew I knew about the injuries and all that. The problem I had with Kobe. Well, those last two years is that he wasn't willing to give up some of his salary. And I think he was doing it out of principle. And I'm thinking, Kobe, you're one of the all-time greats. You've got endorsement money coming out there, not like Jordan, but still at a very high level. You don't want for money. I'm sure your 27,000-square-foot mansion is paid for, not to mention one of the finest wives in the history who has forgiven you for two-timing her yeah. out in Colorado and all that. Imagine, you can't put a price on that. Mm-hmm. And all that, and you can't give up 8 to $10 million. 8 to $10 million to, maybe not you, Lowe's, but to me, a lot of money. Yes, 8 to $10 right. million a year for Kobe is not that much money. Mm-hmm. You're going to get it all back in endorsements anyway, but your team is going to get better because you can bring in better players. That's the problem I have with Kobe. But as far as his ability and him sneaking around the corner of Mount Rushmore, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. he's right there. He's yeah, one he of the all-time greats. Oh, he, he defended, too. Yeah, he was, he he was all-time great. To, to, me, to me, you have to defend. Yeah, you have to. Defend I had trouble on that. Show. I had trouble. I know we got to get out of here. I had trouble Booker on last year. He told me um, when I asked him if, if uh, LeBron could beat Golden State, what it, will he rank uh, LeBron? But he said, regardless, he already had LeBron as the greatest player ever. So that's another yeah, way to show you that. that. A lot of people I, I, I can't. His, his number, his career numbers are going to be incredible. What, to me, his meltdown, if you will, in. 2011, and look, I called that one. I don't call them all right, but I called that one. And not not his meltdown, but I called the fact that Dallas is going to beat them because they were a better team, mm-hmm. you know, because they had great shooters. And it, and I've heard somebody the other day say something, and I went, what? Said that, that Dirk Nowitzki, I don't think they said drug them to a title, but was the absolute man. And he had a nice finals, don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, but, Jason Kidd, but Jason Terry was there. Jay, Jason Terry got all the big shots mm-hmm. he hit, and Kid, what he was doing, everybody on that team, man, just proved it really does take a team, a really good team. And uh, those guys, right place, right time, they're playing the game the right way, share the basketball, make outside shots, you win a title. All right. Yep. So I appreciate you, KB. I wish we had more Another time. Another three hours, man. Come on. Uh, we can't. We got to get out of here. Right. Right? Um, next time, we'll touch on the top five players in the NBA, which you know. Pretty much about the same for everybody, but I definitely wanted to get your opinion on on the Mount Rushmore because I know it's it's going to be different for everybody. Like you said, this is our our Mount Rushmore, so everybody have their own opinion on who they want on there. And I know some people might kill me for not having Michael Jordan on mine, but it was just my list. Um, it's still one of the all time greats, maybe number a lot number one on a lot of people's list. But KB, before we get out of here, can yep. you tell everybody how to find you? 
So uh, I, I don't do any social media, and people ask me why. I say, well, if you want to know my thoughts, you can listen to my radio show. I'm mm-hmm. on on the uh, in the Spartanburg area, AM fourteen hundred. It's Fox Sports fourteen hundred AM and ninety eight three FM, and also. The website, the you know, the download on smartphone. Well, there, there is a website, SpartanburgSportsRadio.com, and the free download on your smartphone. You type in Fox Sports fourteen hundred, and uh, the uh, our app will come up. You download it, and you can hear live programming twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. One last thing. Okay. Twenty twenty NBA Finals champion is. Oh my god. For the 2019-2020 season. The Denver Nuggets. Denver Nuggets. <laughs> yeah. No. And, and drop one. And drop one. <laughs> I, I can't give a Denver that one. I, I, it's still if I had to say Or the Utah Jazz. I, I like Utah. I like uh Oh, can I Lakers. can I get one more thing in real quickly? Mm-hmm. You know there there's coach Quinn Snyder. Mm-hmm. You know he played at Duke, right? Mm-hmm. After he played at Duke, I don't know how many pro leagues he played in. But I used to call games in the Global Basketball Association. And I don't know what Quinn Snyder was on because he's a little light skinned, if y'all know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. But in warm ups, that dude could absolutely rise. You look at him now, he looks like somebody that you'd see on the corner at the bus stop. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But in his playing days, man, he was good. Get up. I mean, dunking the ball, looking in, behind the head, and all that. But he's, he's done a tremendous job. Yeah, he's job doing a great job. I think they got a yep. chance to make a, a really good run. KB, I appreciate you again. Absolutely. Next time, we also have to talk about the Eagles. We're going we're gonna to get on that Absolutely. next time as well. But I hope you guys enjoyed it. Also, thank you to Miss Charlene Davis and Charlene's Home Cooking on East Black Stock Road for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. So make sure you guys go by and see it. But until next time, keep chasing your dreams. This is Cross the Line Podcast. Thank you for listening. Good? Yep. Major.